from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Joe's podcast episode 232 the Kessel Run G.I. Joe and Transformers I'm your host Ryan and welcome back everyone yeah it's been a while since I've done an episode or we've done an episode here for you guys uh, I apologize for that a uh, lot of factors played into that one is uh, just timing of trying to coordinate sometimes with people um, and then also trying to do some interviews that fell through and then trying to reschedule those and, and it just turned into a mess of trying to get some good people uh, come on as guests and everything else. I'm still going to be trying to get Paul Aller on. Uh, also trying to reach out to see if we can get the guy from Toys That Made Us to come back on since they're doing a new season of that. Uh, just things haven't coordinated well. And then in the meantime, I've also been uh, working on getting things ready for my Kickstarter for my uh, comic book, which is now launched. So uh, all of that, plus uh, just life in general getting in the way, uh, caused me not to be able to get an episode out for you guys for over a month. And I do apologize for that. But the good news is I'm going to be getting uh, not only this episode out, where I'm going to be, I think, covering some things that you guys would love to hear about and talk about, uh, but I'm also going to be getting another episode out before the end of this month. So you'll actually still get two episodes this month, uh, which is awesome, and there'll also be a, a Patreon episode coming out this month. I already have that one recorded uh, as of me recording this, and so this will come out, and then maybe a day or two later, the Patreon episode will come out, and then a day or two after that, another episode's going to come out. And the next episode is going to be talking about the Kickstarter for my project. I've had a lot of people come on to talk about their Kickstarter project, what they're doing when it comes to their comics and everything else. But uh, this is mine. Uh, this is, I am doing a Kickstarter. If you haven't listened to, if you're new to the show and haven't heard some of the past uh, episodes recently, 
I am doing my own comic, or I'm trying to do my own comic. I wrote a 22-page script and uh, kind of sent it out to a, a couple people to review and was looking for an artist for it. And luckily, Robert, uh, had he teaches at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and he, I told him what I was looking for as far as art style, and I didn't know if he could introduce me to some people maybe that he knows in the business that have that type of art style. And he's like, well, I actually have a student uh, who is graduating, and she has exactly the style you're looking for. Uh, he did open it up to his whole class to to be fair uh, and allowed me to choose who I wanted out of it. Uh, he only had three submissions uh, that he sent over to me, and the uh, this Alex was perfect for the job. She was exactly the style I was looking for. She is very detailed, uh, but has this cartoony anime type style to, uh, or manga style to her artwork. Uh, it's not too manga. It's not too cartoony. It's, it's, and it's not, it's not uh, hyper realistic or anything like that. It's just, it's kind of a neat blend of all of that. It's, you know, the, it looks real, but it looks cartoony, but it looks manga. It's like, it's just this cool blend that I really, really like. I really gravitate towards. And, uh, and she's, uh, to give you some examples, like if you were to read, uh, Kitty Cook's Nothing Special webcomic, uh, that art style I love, I love, uh, I believe it's Derek Kaufman. He, he did uh, Ruin World. Uh, I like his art style. He does some squattier characters, but he also does like full fledged characters. Uh, I do like, uh, Shannon's style and Brian's art style. Uh, I didn't ask them to do the art on this one. Uh, I probably could have, I probably could have reached out to them and they may have been willing to do it. I just, uh, I did ask them if they would be willing to contribute for the Kickstarter. Shannon's doing a pinup for it. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't reach out to them. I just, I know they've been busy with some other things and, and all that. And, uh, I didn't, I guess part of me didn't want them to feel obligated to work on it or to say yes. And then part of it too is, um, I, I kind of wanted a fresh start with somebody I didn't know because I want to actually become a writer in, in the comic business, in the comic industry. I know I'm not going to make a bunch of money doing it. I know no one gets rich doing comics or anything like that, but it's just something I have a passion for. It's something I've always wanted to do. So I know I'm going to be working with a variety of different artists. And so I, I think I just wanted that fresh, different person to work with and kind of get a feel for what it's like. Um, so yeah, so I, I, the whole next episode, we're going to talk about that. But what I wanted you guys to know is that the Kickstarter is live right now. If you go to Kickstarter, uh, if you're not on social media for Star Joes at all, um, you'll want to go to Kickstarter. You want to search Stealth Hammer. So it's S-T-E-A-L-T-H, Hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R, uh, and you'll find it right away. Uh, it's an all-ages superhero comic, uh, and it's a true all-ages, much like Jeremy Dale did with Skyward. Uh, in fact, the art style, again, uh, kind of a little bit reminiscent of Jeremy's art style uh, or that Mike Waringo art style. Uh, I think she does a great job. She, again, we'll get into a lot more in the next episode, but she's got a lot of attention to detail, uh, which I really like. She's awesome with doing background images behind the characters. So, yeah, you get some panels where it's just, you know, it's a color behind the, the character, but those are the, the small panels. When she's doing larger panels, there's a lot of detail. She puts a lot of thought into it. 
Uh, and I'll get into all that with her. She's actually going to be on the episode with me. Chuck's supposed to be on the episode. I don't know if Robert will be. I know John can't make it, but uh, not sure if Robert will make it or not. But Chuck's going to be on there just because I can't imagine interviewing myself. <laughs> I mean, I could do it, I guess, if I have to. But uh, but Alex is going to be on there with me, so you'll hear right from the artist. Um, I hope you guys will support it. If you have ever wanted to do anything for this show uh, at all, uh, I would... I'm strongly encouraging you to support this Kickstarter. This is a lifelong dream of mine coming true. I love doing this podcast. I absolutely adore doing it. It's been awesome. I've made some great friendships from it. Uh, I love that it's been lasting so long. I appreciate you guys as listeners and, and everything else. But the podcast was never like a dream of mine. It was just, it was one of those things that Chuck and I talked about one day and said, hey, maybe we could do a podcast. And we decided to do it. And we've been doing it for almost 10 years now. This January will actually be 10 years. Um, whereas writing something, whether it was a book or a comic has always been a dream of mine. I always wanted to create my own world, create my own characters. Uh, I have a mindset for it. Again, we'll kind of talk about that, uh, in the next episode probably, but it's just kind of how my mind works. I'm constantly creating stories in my head for various things. And finally I had something where I was like, I could really do something with this. And I finally just decided to jump in with both feet. I don't know if it's going to be successful or not. I am really hope, hopeful right now. Uh, we're only two days into it. The first day was extremely successful. We uh, reached over 11% of our goal. And uh, day two now, it, it's kind of it's kind of stalled out a little bit. Uh, we have had a couple new uh, people that backed it, but uh, nothing else since then. But you guys haven't heard about it yet until this episode. There's some other podcasts that are going to promote it on their episodes. Um, so, and I'm starting to get messages out there to people. So, I'm going to keep at it for the next, you know, 28 days, and hopefully it will get funded, and then I can produce this comic. And then the idea is then to shop the comic around to publishers to see if someone's willing to pick it up, and then I can really do uh, and like either an ongoing going series or a um, uh, a mini series, whatever they're willing to kind of give me. I have ideas, uh, and directions I can go with either. Um, but this one initial story is, it's a cool one and done story. Like I want, if I was doing a Kickstarter and that's all that ever came of this is this one issue. I wanted to have a beginning, middle and end to the story. And it's going to read very much like a kind of a, I want to say basic, origin story, but it is. It's it's just your origin story. It's how this character, who this character is, how she gets her powers, and where she kind of goes with them, what, what she does. And the, but throughout the, the issue, there's these little nods in the dialogue, uh, little hints and nods in the dialogue, in the background art, and in little moments that happen that give you hints that there's a larger world that this character is a part of and is going to learn more about. So while you can read it as a one-and-done story, there'll be things in there that you're just like, well, who's that and what what's going on with that? I want to learn more about that, So, or I want to know more about that. Um, and we'll, again, we'll talk about that more in the next episode, but it, it has me very excited uh, like I said, I hope you'll support it. Like I said, if, you, if you've enjoyed this show at all for the last 10 years uh, or within the last 10 years, um, 
And like I said, if you ever wanted to kind of give back to the show in some way, check out the Kickstarter I and and pick one of the rewards. Uh, there's I have a wide range. I have everything from a dollar where you just, hey, here's a dollar towards it. Uh, I don't need anything. There's no reward for it or anything like that. Uh, there's a $3 one if you just want a digital copy of the comic. Uh, and that's good for the international people. I'm sorry for the international people. Their shipping is extremely expensive. Uh, so I did open it up to U.S. and Canada. So shipping even for Canada is expensive. Uh, but I wanted to open it up for Canadian people as well. I would have loved to have opened it up for across the, the world, but uh, again, shipping is just extremely expensive, and then you have to figure shipping into your goal. So even though that was one thing I found out, is that, and this was after I launched it, is that even though shipping shows up separate on the rewards, they when you pledge, so let's say you pledge $5 for the comic and there's $5 for shipping, that whole $10 counts towards your goal. So it's that five dollars for shipping isn't separate. It's not like oh well we set this aside because that's your shipping cost. No, they work that into your goal. So I have a pretty high goal, uh, and there's a reason for that that I'll get into in the next episode. Um, but I'm glad I do because there's gonna be a lot of shipping costs that I didn't factor into that goal. And uh, so it it's so I didn't do it internationally. But if you want a copy of the comic there will be a digital option and that can be international. So, you know, if, if you're overseas and you want to read the comic and you want to contribute to the Kickstarter, uh, unfortunately you won't be able to get any of the other rewards, but you could do the $3 and every $3, every dollar, every $3 is going to help. So there's a $5 reward for actually getting the comic plus the digital all the way up to a, uh, and there's multiple ones in between all the way up to a $500 uh, reward, which is Robert is actually doing a variant cover for the issue and he's going to be giving me the original artwork. Uh, and if you want that original artwork, uh, that that's what the $500 is for. Cause, uh, cover is, it, there's very little original art on this one because the artist, uh, Alex, she works digitally. So there's not much original art for this. Uh, that cover is one of the two pieces. Uh, of original art that's out there. So we also did prints and stuff because there's not original art. There's there's an option for getting some prints that will actually be signed by me and Alex uh, that uh, that can go out to you. So like I said, there's a variety of options. There's a behind the scenes book. And I'll, again, I'm going to get into all that stuff next episode, which will come out not too long from now. But go check it out. There's a video where I talk about what it is, but go to Kickstarter uh, and Search Stealth Hammer, and you will find it immediately. And uh, if you're already on the social media platforms, you already know it's out there. But I, like I said, if you've ever really enjoyed the show and wanted to do something back, this this is how you can do it, is by supporting this Kickstarter. And if you can't afford it, I completely understand. Uh, I absolutely understand that. Um, but if it's a matter of like, well, I could get this action figure, I could support Ryan's comic. I hope you'll maybe support Ryan, support my comic, uh, this month. And then maybe next month you'll, you can get that action figure or something like that, or that other comic book or trade that you were looking for. Um, so like I said, I, I'm not asking for a lot. I mean, if you want the big rewards, yes, those are going to cost some money, but if you even just could do the $5 just to get the comic, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and it'll help me get towards my goal. 
and create this dream that I've always wanted to have. Because like I said, uh, it's not doesn't just end with this. It there's plans beyond this one issue. I want to shop it around and everything else. So, uh, so take please take a look at it. And like I said, if you can't afford it, completely understand. Uh, but then what I would ask for you to do is if you want to support me in this show uh, in any way, then share the Kickstarter either on any of your social medias or tell somebody about it. Um, if uh, my wife and I are also making a flyer for it, that I'm going to be reaching out to my local comic shop and a couple of the colleges locally and libraries and everything else to see if they'll put it up for the next 30 days. If you are not really on any type of social medias that you could share the link. Uh, if you are on social medias, I would hope you would share the, the link and say, hey, here's a Kickstarter for this cool comic. You know, check it out. But if you're not any really social media type things, then email the show, uh, starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're willing to put the flyers out someplace at like at your local comic shop or uh, library or universities or something like that where you think people would be interested uh, any type of geeky venue, a convention or something like that, like obviously get permission first from those places. Uh, but then, you know, I can send you the file, uh, for you to print off. Uh, unfortunately you'll have to pay for the, the printing costs. Uh, but, uh, I don't, but you could send it maybe to those places digitally. Again, if you don't have the money to pay for the, you know, copies or anything like that, maybe you can send it to those places digitally and they can put it on their websites or something like that. So, um, I would greatly appreciate you getting the word out there. Uh, that'll help me as well. So like I said, if you can't afford something, totally get that. But uh, maybe you can share the link with people or like I said, I can send you the, a digital copy of the flyer and you can either post it somewhere digitally or print off some copies and spread it around that way. So, um, so that's all I'm gonna say tonight about the Kickstarter. Again, I hope you'll support it. Uh, I can't say that enough. And uh, I, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but I wanted to get into a couple recent issues of comics that came out. Uh, we haven't done that in a long time. I know I did the uh, Dark Crystal one that came out not that long ago. But we haven't really covered a whole lot of recent comics about this that, that the show is centered around. Like I, I know we cover all 80s properties. So you know Dark Crystal, in a sense, is still embodies that. But... We haven't covered like the main staples like G.I. Joe, Transformers, Star Wars, uh, He-Man, any of those, you know, those big pro 80s properties. We haven't really covered any recent stuff. We've done the retro stuff, which I know you guys love, and we're definitely going to have more of those in the future. But we have not uh, covered uh, any recent comics. And it was a perfect opportunity to do so because there was two comics that came out that have had a little bit of controversy about both of them. And I've also had, uh, they're also just interesting takes uh, and stories that I wanted to cover because I have mixed feelings about both of them. Uh, I have, you know, it's, I think they're both good overall. So I will, I will say that up front and, uh, but, and I did enjoy both of them, but there's, there's, I have some issues with both of them as well. So, and maybe you have the same issues. I don't know. So one of them is Transformers 84, number zero. And what this is, it's covering, it's a story that takes place before the original Marvel number one. Uh, so this takes place before that, that very first issue, and it kind of, and it pretty much leads into that issue. Um, and then the other one is G.I. Joe number one, which is the new IDW continuity uh, by Paul Aller. And 
I'm hoping that we can still get Paul Aller on, even after the issue's out now. Uh, I do want to talk to him. I I want to hear his thoughts and everything else. Now that the issue's out, we have a little bit more that we can talk about. Um, him and I were going back and forth with emails for a little while, and then the last episode came out, and then I didn't hear anything, and I know he had some family things going on, uh, which is why he couldn't make it before, but then it was like radio silent after that. And I know that there was a point that, uh, that I had put at the end of the last episode where Chuck and I were just kind of talking before the show started and Chuck made a comment about, you know, hope it, you know, about the issue, the series not lasting very long. And, you know, he's basing, he was basing it on track record of GI Joe comics lately. And it was no slight to Paul and it was no slight to this new comic coming out, but it's just that it was a statement of fact that GI Joe comics haven't lasted very long lately. And it was a totally fair statement I don't know if Paul would have listened to the episode to kind of get a feel for like what our show's like. I know I do that sometimes when I'm going on someone else's show. And I don't know if he would have heard that and been like, well, I'm not going to talk to these guys. You know, they're, they're already dogging the, the issue and everything else, which we weren't. I, I actually, you know, Bill said we were both eager for it. And I actually uh, countered to what Chuck was saying, said, you know, well, I'm hoping it's going to be good. And he even says, well, I'm hoping it's going to be good, too. Like, we both want Joe to be successful. So I don't think that that's what happened, but it's just it was just weird timing. And even my wife, who doesn't normally listen to the episodes, she made a comment that she listened to that episode because she realized she hadn't listened to one in a long time, not since we first started. And uh, she thought she would check out an episode, and she heard that part, and she's like, do you think that was good to say? Because, you know, it could sound kind of negative and everything else, and I know you guys sometimes like behind-the-scenes stuff, so that's why I threw it in there. Um, I don't know if it would have been taken negatively or not. I hope not, because, again, all he was doing was stating a fact that, you know, G.I. Joe Comics haven't had a good track record lately, uh, and but that we were both we both stated in that that we were hopeful it was going to be good. So, um, Paul, I hope that if, that, that if you did hear that and you took it negatively and that's why I haven't heard from you, that you're maybe listening to this now and that you will contact me back. I'm going to reach out to him again by email just to kind of see what's going on uh, and see if we can still get him on the show because, like I said, overall I like the issue. I think there's some things to talk about uh, in the issue and uh, I want to give him a chance to kind of address those things because I think they're important things and we'll get into that as we go get into the issues here. So uh, first I'm going to cover Transformers 84 number zero and just like our typical Kessel runs, I'm going to go through every page of this and we're going to talk about it. And then I want to hear from you guys, too. Uh, if you read these issues, um, send an email, uh, starjustpodcast at gmail.com, or make comments on the uh, posting of this episode. So when I post it on social media or on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, tell me your thoughts under that in the comments. And I'll, com I'll respond possibly there or I'll respond on the show. I might read them. I'll probably read them on the show. And then you guys can let me know. Yeah, I, we can respond to you and everything else. So uh, that would be that would be cool. Uh, speaking of feedback, I did want to address this. Uh, I probably should wait till I have the other guys on the uh, show. But uh, we did get an email from Philip Powers, uh, and he says I want it. <laughs> and the, I should say the title of his email is Episode Eleven. But he goes, I want it. He, he put LOL. I just started listening to the podcast to podcast and just started listening to your podcast just got 
uh, to episode 11 about the Joe comic uh, comics discussion. Uh, I know it's a it's long gone. I'm just fucking around. Love what you're doing. Uh, keep it up. So uh, we had a contest back then, and I think I basically said that if if you want to enter the contest, just email us and say I want it. And <laughs> obviously, it was a long time, but uh, Phil. Uh, Phil, I am greatly uh, appreciative of your humor. That's fantastic. That's the type of humor you're going to fit in perfectly with us here. Um, and uh, I didn't want to email you back until just to let you know that I got it until I was able to read it on the air here. I don't. If you're on episode 11, I don't know how long it's going to take you to get up to episode 232. But hopefully, you like the fact that we're. Uh, that I'm reading your email now, and uh, yeah, please keep emailing us and uh, letting us know your thoughts on the episodes as you go through them. Uh, I know our buddy Travis started doing the great re-listen of Star Joe's. I don't know if he abandoned that uh, or if he got all the way through. Uh, I know it's tougher to go back to those early episodes and listen to them. Uh, it is for me. Uh, hell, it's tough for me to go back and listen to an episode I did uh, a couple months ago just because... I don't know. It's I get very critical of the stuff that I do. So, uh, Phil, thanks for finding us. Uh, and if you're somebody new, also like not just Phil. Obviously, Phil's new. But if someone is listening out there and you're new to the show or you've never contacted us before, send us an email. Just tell us who you are. I'd love to read it on the air and you know welcome you and and you know we can respond to any questions you have or statements that you have or anything like that. Um, it would be cool to hear from more of you guys. Uh, and if you're a regular listener and you haven't sent an email in a long time, uh, do that also. Cause again, we're, we're not getting a whole lot of, uh, feedback from listeners other than on Facebook, which is fantastic, but, uh, I'd love to get something that I can read on the air and we can talk about it. So, so getting back to, uh, Transformers. So like I said, this takes place before the Marvel run. Uh, it's written by Simon Furman, and artist is Guido Guidi, who is an awesome Transformers artist, and his art style works so perfectly for this retro look. He's done past retro covers and past retro issues and things like that, and his art style works perfectly for that. Um, the It seems like he is inking his own work. Uh, I know in the past that Guido Guidi has drawn a different look with Transformers, not just this retro look. So I don't know if he had a different inker at that time or if he was inking himself at, at that time as well. But this definitely looks different than how some of his other stuff has looked before. And yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like if he had somebody else that, um, that inked his stuff before, which is what gave it a different look, or if he just changed his style, which is, is pretty sweet. So, um, anyways, uh, we have, uh, colorist is John Paul, uh, Rove, who I don't know if is the normal colorist when with these types of things, but again, works perfectly for the art style that they're going for. So story opens up and we have, uh, a character, which is actually, uh, we find out as punch counter punch, which is, a he's a, a spy is like a double agent spy for the Autobots. He goes by Counterpunch, where he can disguise himself as a Decepticon, but then he goes by Punch with the Autobots. Um, there was also something I saw when I looked him up that uh, he's also AKA Nightbeat, which 
Nightbeat was a completely different character to my knowledge, but that might just be in the IDW universe. Maybe Nightbeat and Counterpunch uh, or Punch as the same character. Because Punch, I will say, in, when you look at Punch, how he's drawn and colored looks just like Nightbeat as far the the Nightbeat character that I know. And uh, Nightbeat knows about secrets and intelligence and spying also. So it very well could be the exact same character. Um, just different continuities and everything else. But anyways, uh, it seems like this is supposed to be Punch talking about this and that counter punch. And it's not really that they have different personalities, but um, just trying to make a distinction here. So uh, he's like, Psst. Hey, secrets and lies, my stock in trade. Everyone knows about Cybertron. Metal planet blown, uh, blown clear out of orbit, sent careening through deep space. Uh, big civil war, Autobots here, Decepticons over there. Uh, neutrals perched precariously in the middle, but there's other stuff you don't know. And, he's, and then turn the page and it says secrets. And then later on he mentions and lies, and we get into that at a point too. Um, I didn't know with the Marvel Universe, and it's because I haven't read all of Marvel Transformers. Uh, I made that known in the past. I'm actually reading it as I cover it on the show here. Uh, and I can't remember what issue we're up to, but I, I need to get back to doing another one of those episodes. Um, because even though we're getting through G.I. Joe really well, we've fallen behind on, on keeping up with the same number with Star Wars and Transformers. Uh, and I know most of that's because I do those episodes with John and Chuck, uh, where they do the Transformers and Star Wars ones by myself. And that's not to say I know there's been a few of you guys that have reached out saying, hey, I'll do those episodes with you. Um, those episodes, I, I don't mind doing them with somebody else. That would be kind of cool here and there to do that. But the reason I do them by myself is because... It, I do them when I have the t uh, spare moment to do them. It's like, oh, okay, I've got the next couple hours free or the next hour free um, and nothing's going on and maybe no one's home or something like that. So I could just record this episode. You know, I, and sometimes when I know that in advance, what I'll do is I'll read the issue the night before. and then. But sometimes it's like, oh, I got a couple hours, got nothing planned, or I just did a whole bunch of stuff and I just need to chill for a little bit. So I'll read the issue and then cover it with you guys. I uh, haven't done that a lot, but that's usually how that happens. Um, it's not like a planned evening like it is when I, I'm recording with the other guys. So so that's why I don't really reach out to people to say, hey, would you want to do this episode with me because uh, and cover this issue because it's, I don't know when I'm doing them. <laughs> so, um, But anyways, uh, I have not read all of the Marvel Transformers, so... I didn't. I don't know, and maybe someone out there can let me know that has read all of it. I know a few of you guys for sure have let me know that you have read all of the Marvel Transformers. But I didn't know in the Marvel continuity that Cybertron was like careening through orbit. Uh, I knew that the Civil War was happening on there, and that's why Autobots left and everything. Uh, and, and all that kind of ties in with the, how they did it in the cartoon. But it also seems like it's because Cybertron was in peril. Like it's flying through space, and they show like debris and pieces breaking off of it and everything. So... Um, next, next page is a page, is a double page splash that, oh my God, I would love to own this, uh, the original art on this because it, it's got huge Optimus Prime. Uh, we have him standing there and we see Perceptor and Wheeljack. They're both talking to each other and it looks like Wheeljack's given directions on construction. You have a bunch of robots, uh, constructing stuff. The other, uh, few characters here, I don't really recognize uh, the one looked a little bit like Warpath, but I don't think that's Warpath. Uh, coloring is just a little bit off. So also, if you're someone that knows 
Transformers Inside Out and know and have this issue, let me know who the three bots in the le lower left corner are because they look like there's some they're supposed to be characters maybe we know, but I don't know every single Transformer because there's been hundreds of them. Uh, but I definitely recognize Wheeljack and Perceptor, uh, and it makes sense that they would be working on this. Although in re in the continuity, Perceptor doesn't show up till much later, so it's kind of cool to see him early on. And it's kind of true with some of these other characters that we're going to talk about as well. But basically, uh, the first few pages we have here is Optimus is focused on Megatron. He, while putting the arc together is uh, great to get them off planet, his focus is really on Megatron. He's not as concerned about the planet itself. Whereas uh, Counselor uh, Trachon, or Trachon, it's T-R-A-A-C-H-O-N, so Trachon, Trachon, uh, he's concerned about, uh, is concerned about Optimus Prime. Well, I guess he's a little concerned about Optimus Prime, but he, he's more concerned about Cybertron because as it's careening, uh, it could end up going to the void. It could completely destroy the planet. But Optimus is pointing out that it's already been determined that if they set up controlled detonations in certain areas, they can actually slow down the rotation uh, and actually get pulled into the gravitational uh, pull of a star called Ursa Major. And then they can be back in rotation and Cybertron will be fine. But the problem really is Megatron. They can't do that with Megatron out there because you try to do this and he's going to he's gonna foil the plans. And they've already talked about how he's taken over uh, one of the city-states, uh, Stanix. So uh, I like the fact that they put these little nods to other things that have happened in the, in the Marvel continuity and everything else. So because um, Stanix is definitely a city that I recognize as being referenced in Transformers before. Um, so now we get to the, the next page here. Um, well, and I will say Counselor uh, Trakan is, he's like, we really should be focused on the construction of the arc. Like if, if the, well, and he also says, if you're so concerned about Megatron and you, you know that we can uh, stop our, you know, our spinning out of control or careening out of control, then why are you so focused on building this arc? And Optimus just kind of looks down because you will find out he has a plan as to why they're focused on the arc. So, um, so the next page we see is Counterpunch talking about uh, how there's lies uh, also going on. And we go back to, uh, we're on Earth now, and it is the year 1017, and it's Stanchion Ca uh, Stansham Castle which is references another Marvel story, which I did look this up. Even though I'm not at this point in my Marvel reading, I knew that the, the whole castle time period with the knights and everything else uh, referenced some, something back to the Marvel comics. And I was like, I'm almost, I know that there was like the uh, Decepticon and King Arthur's court story in the cartoon, but I was like, I could swear there was also something like that in the comic, and I believe it's the Man of Iron story, which was actually a Marvel UK story, um, and that dealt with uh, Stanchion Castle. I didn't read the Wikipedia page on it. I just kind of found it so I could know that I was right, that, okay, this has been a place referenced before. This is a place where something took place before. I'm sure if I read the Marvel stories where all this stuff took place, that it would have a lot more meaning for me and I would get a lot more out of it. So I'm actually looking forward to when I get through those issues to be able to go back to this issue and, and read it again. It's kind of like when I read Crisis Infinite Earths 
I read that story like every few years and every time I've learned more about the past DC universe. And so then when I read Christ on Earth that references so much DC universe history, I get more out of it. I recognize another character maybe I didn't recognize before. Or I know more about certain characters I didn't know before. So that'll be true for this as well. But like I said, I knew the Stanchion Castle was going on. It looks like there's Vikings that are raiding it. Um, and uh, while that is going on, uh, a ship comes crashing down. Um, and here's one thing, too, when it comes to this story that was a little tough for me, uh, was it it felt like, and I could be wrong, it felt like it jumped around in time without letting me know that it was jumping around in time. So, I, I mean, I know that this is taking place in the past of Earth and everything else, but between the story of Optimus talking with the counselor and the whole arc thing, we then seem to be jumping ahead in time where there is, um, uh, we have um, uh, Cloudraker and Fastlane, which are two Autobots. They crash their vehicle, uh, which is called, I believe it's called the Mantlo or something like that, which I thought was awesome because it references Bill Mantlo, who was very involved with uh, the Transformers stories and everything else of the past. So it was an awesome nod that they did there. But um, they seem to be having to be on this planet so that they can signal for the Ark to come to the planet. And so they crash land. They they go out looking, you know, to kind of see what's going on. They want to kind of check out the atmospheric conditions um, and, and check to make sure that this planet is, you know, they just want to kind of see what they'll find. Uh, while they're going out to do that, and these are two characters I don't really know a whole lot about. I recognize the names of Cloudraker and Fastlane, but I don't really know a whole lot about them. They seem like they're twins of some type. Uh, one is a, a car and one is a, is a jet. So pretty cool that they are referencing, uh, definitely referencing a jet because early days of Transformers and Autobots, we didn't have any jets. They were all vehicles, and, uh, you know, cars and stuff like that. Jets are vehicles, but... They're all, they're all like ground vehicles. And uh, so it was cool to see like this story that takes place before that, that we actually have a jet type vehicle. Um, and like I said, these are kind of, in my knowledge, these are lesser known characters, Cloudraker and Fastlane. They're both lesser known characters. Like you, even going to a Transformers fan like myself or some other people that grew up with Transformers, if you mention these two names, they might sound vaguely familiar like they did for me, but you really don't they probably won't know them. It's not like you know how you know Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and Jazz and Cliff Jumper and things like that. So, um, but while while they're heading out, uh, we have Counterpunch actually watching them and spying on them and stuff like that. He's got the Decepticon symbol. And if you didn't know who Counterpunch was, you didn't know he was a, a double agent. You'd be like, crap, uh, a Decepticon's on Earth ahead of time and is watching them. So. Uh, then we go back to the Ark, which has just been built. So it's another time jump because it definitely wasn't close to being built uh, the last time we saw it. And we have Bumblebee's very excited. Uh, he's like, we haven't seen anything this big since uh, the era of the Titans, which is another reference to stuff that's happened in Transformers before. Titans were the giant Transformers that uh, kind of the beginning of everything. Um, and we see a bunch of them talking to each other about this mission. And it's cool to see these characters talking about 
being on the ship before we read issue number one because all we got with issue number one is that they crash land on earth and we get right into the meat of the story and it's not that buildup of excitement of like hey we're going on this mission and everything else so we have you know jazz is there sunstreaker's there uh cliff jumper mirage bumblebee blue streak uh and prowl and we get their insights and in why some of them went on this mission and some of them aren't too excited about being on the mission and everything else. Uh, we then get Optimus talking to Ultra Magnus, which is pretty cool also, because again, we don't really see Ultra Magnus in the Marvel run until much later. Um, but basically Prime is talking to him saying, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're going out there and the, uh, but uh, Ultra Magnus kind of notices that sounds like you're, the way you're talking about things, you're not expecting to come back. Like to him, if this is just a mission to go out there and, and to, to find new locations and new places, uh, and just to see what's out there in the universe that could help them and places for them to go and everything. Um, especially with Cybertron falling apart, but from everything that Optimus is saying, Ultramax is like, this just sounds like you're not planning on coming back and we'll find out later why. Uh, he's sounding like that. Uh, then we have that uh, Megatron's talking to Counterpunch and uh, Soundwave and Starscream and Shockwave is there. And he's been spying on what Optimus is looking to do with the arc. So it's been confirmed, you know, Counterpunch has come to let him know. And Ravage also confirmed it. So it was cool to see Ravage in the story also. Then we go back to Earth. Uh, which, again, seems like it's a time jump forward from what we just left. And uh, we have some of the knights that are heading out from the castle, but they're about to, uh, they're being stalked by the Vikings, who were trying to raid it before. But we also have them being watched by a bunch of Decepticons. And the Decepticons here, I had to look them up because they're, they're referenced, but I, again, these were Decepticons I didn't really know. Uh, which, so it was actually good for me to look them up and kind of learn more about them. So we had uh, Wingspan, who is a data processor, and we actually see that reference in the story. Like he talks about, uh, he's like, I got this, uh, To he's talking to the other ones, he's like, I got this, go, data processing is the only juice I need. Um, so he's fine with being left alone as long as he can do his data processing. Uh, he is a clone uh, transformer. Uh, his clone is Pounce, who we don't see in this issue. Uh, but Wingspan is a data processor. He turns into like a robotic eagle. Uh, then we also see uh, Battletrap, who is a duocon. So there's Battletrap and Flywheels. They're both duocons. Uh, and what they're supposed to be, so from what I found out for the duocons, is that there's both separate, ve there's two separate vehicles. So there's um, Battletrap and there's Flywheels. And Flywheels is like this helicopter and uh, Battletrap is supposed to be a ground vehicle. And then uh, what happens is they turn then into, uh, when they go to turn into robot form, the two vehicles come together to form that one robot. But in this story, and I don't know if that's supposed to be true all the time, but in this story, they are their own two separate entities. So you have, um, you have flywheels who turns into a tank, but then he also turns into a jet. And then you have uh, Battletrap, who turns into a car. You know, it was like this futuristic-looking car. So it seems like Flywheels in the story is like a triple changer, and I don't know if Battletrap is as well, but they just show him changing into one uh, 
one vehicle. Uh, but like I said, in the toy, from what I could tell, they're two separate vehicles, and when they transform, they turn into one robot. So, uh, and I don't know what the robot would be called then. If it would be called Battle Trap Flywheels or just one of them, I don't know. Uh, but I just found it interesting that it's not necessarily following the continuity of the of the toys at, at that time. Um, and then Counterpunch is also there, and he heads out as well. So uh, then we get um, a bunch of the uh, the knights that had left the castle. They come across the Mantlo uh, vehicle that the Autobots came in on, and they're seeing it as some type of uh, devilry. Uh, but then they realize that it, it could just be a, a, a trap because here comes the Vikings to attack them. And there's only three of them, and there's a whole mess of Vikings. Uh, so then what we see is while they're trying to hold their own up on their horses against the Vikings, the uh, Autobots are watching it, the battle, and they're like, we're really not supposed to intervene. That's like rule number one is to not intervene. And they're like, yeah, that's the rule, but... I think we need to help these guys out. And they, they're like, we don't know which side's the right side or the wrong side, but usually we end up helping the underdog. So they decide to head down. While they're about to head down, uh, that's when we get uh, Wingspan finds their ship. He's able to locate, and he's like, out of all the systems that we've been trying to track these guys down on, this is the one that we find them on. Uh, he's like, I got to let the other people know. And that's when Counterpunch is like, Sorry, I can't allow that, and he shoots in the back of the head. Um, then we see that uh, that Cloudraker and Fastlane are fighting the Vikings. They're scaring them away, uh, and then the guys from the castle, the knights from the castle, decide to chase after the Vikings. Uh, then we jump to a different point, which, again, timeline-wise... I'm pretty sure I know where all this stuff is taking place, but they really don't indicate where everything is taking place. So with this timeline, it seems like this is uh, Counterpunch is heading out to meet with Optimus. And this seems like it's right after he went and reported to Megatron that the Autobots are about to leave on the Ark. And uh, he, so he comes to Optimus. He then changes into Punch. Uh, and he's like, the bait has been... Uh, put out there for Megatron, uh, and it's been taken. And then we see all the Autobots getting onto the Ark. It's about to launch, and there, you know, we have some Autobots like Hound and Gears showing up in there that we didn't see before. And we also see a couple other Autobots that I can't, I don't know by the looks of them. They seem like they're just like extra uh, Autobots, um, but we do have ones like Brawn and Hound and, and Gears who we didn't see before that we now see in, in this panel. So so that's cool to see them. But then we get um, Optimus talk, talking to Punch, and he's just like, I don't get why we're having to do this. You know, like, why do you want Megatron to attack the Ark? And he's like, after all you have done and sacrificed for the cause, Punch, I must ask you to, under, uh, to undertake a further tour of deep cover duty. So basically it sounds like, um, because then we go ahead in time, uh, like I said, from my understanding of where the timelines take place, we go ahead in time and this is where all the Decepticons come back and find that Wingspan has been killed. Um, and they're like, it's probably those two Autobots, we need to go after them. So this must be the deep cover that Optimus is like, I need you to, to do some additional. So basically, he's sent out to go 
with this team of Decepticons to find the two Autobots, Cloudraker and Fastlane, who are supposed to be setting up a signal for the Ark to come to them. And what basically what Counterpunch is doing is he's making sure that that signal never gets out, uh, that no one knows and everything else, because they don't want the battle to continue. They want, basically Optimus wants Megatron destroyed, and he sees Megatron attacking the Ark as the only way to have that happen because they can, they'll either defeat Megatron on the Ark or Megatron will be lost in space because the Ark is just going to float out there and there's going to be no signal for it to come and land on a planet. So um, that's how it came across to me and, and the Optimus is willing to sacrifice all the people that, that are traveling with them. Um, but basically the Decepticons, they, they want revenge for Wingspan being killed. They think it's these two Autobots. They start attacking them. Uh, they take take them down. Um, just they keep hammering at them and hammering at them. Uh, they try to get back to the uh, the ship. In the meantime, Meg, the Ark takes off. The Autobots are blasting some asteroids, and, and Optimus points for them to keep blasting at the asteroids. And then Megatron attacks the ship, and he's got laser beak and buzz saw. Uh, looks like Frenzy's there with him, uh, Ravage, Soundwave, and um, Starscream are visible, and there's a whole bunch of, just, uh, a few, uh, like three or four other Decepticons behind them um, that are just like shadowy, so I can't tell 100%, definitely a couple Seekers in there uh, and everything. But he's like, uh, Bumblebee's like, Decepticons, our hull is breached, uh, and Optimus pushes the button, he says, though we die, at least our enemies are taken with us, and he pushes a button. Uh, which I have to imagine it's not a self-destruct button because obviously the arc didn't blow up, but it has to be something that kind of traps them in the arc. Um, then we have uh, Cloudraker and Fastlane. It, the battle's continuing. Uh, we kind of see some of their weaponry and how it all works, which is, is really cool. Uh, but ultimately, uh, they're about to get away, and I think it's... Uh, which one was it? It was uh, Cloudraker. They got... Uh, hit and so Fastlane is trying to take them back to the Mantlo to get them uh, some some uh, cryogenic regeneration. Uh, they take off in the ship, but Counterpunch is like, uh, "Forgive me!" and shoots at it, and the ship goes down and crashes into the castle. And then we get the last page, which is Optimus saying, uh, "We must ne uh, never be found. I need you, or rather, your alter ego." Talking to Punch. Uh, to make sure of it, and Punch says whatever it takes, uh, which is very appropriate with the Avengers Endgame because that was the slogan for them. Uh, he says Megatron's evil can never, uh, cannot ever be allowed to blight this universe again. Uh, so many of your finest warriors, why? You know, Punch is asking Optimus, uh, and Optimus says he would know anything less than total commitment. Megatron would sniff out the lie and see the trap. And he's like, they will be remembered. And Punch says, the needs of the many. And uh, so I don't know if someone was a Star Trek fan that was writing this, if Simon Furman is. Uh, I think he is. But uh, And then Optimus says, exactly, Cybertron will have a fighting chance. and Because uh, he knows if Megatron's gone, then Cybertron can survive. And uh, Punch says, uh, and you? And Optimus says, I must try and live with what I have done. Uh, he's like, 
the trust uh, I have abused. Uh, so basically, all of these Autobots trusted Prime. We even see Ironhide in the one panel now, uh, and Ratchet, and and uh, Huffer's there too. So uh, all the Autobots, you know, are present and accounted for. There uh, side swipes there as well. Um, so yeah, this puts a different take on the arc and why they took off and what happened. Basically, Optimus used the arc as bait and all of his fellow Autobots as bait to trick Megatron into getting onto the arc so that he's not on Cybertron anymore. And then he didn't want to bring that blight to another planet. So even though these other Autobots were sent out to find a location to signal the arc to come there, um, they they were stopped also uh, because of Counterpunch. Uh, and Counterpunch kind of has to live with that, and so does Optimus. And it's just a, it's a different take because Optimus, for so long, especially in these the early Marvel stories, is that perfect leader. He's he's the guy that does right for the sake of doing right. So it kind of tarnishes that. And that's what a lot of people had some problems with when it came to this issue. It's like it makes him less altruistic. But from when I did the episode with um, uh, for the in-flight entertainment where we were talking about the 87 Transformers movie, um, you know, the one host there, she had said, like, she never identified with Optimus because he was he never did anything wrong. He, he seemed too perfect. He seemed too altruistic, which I, I told her that's exactly why I liked him. It's like, that's what I aspire to be. Um, but she had a hard time identifying with, with him because of that. So this puts a little bit of tarnish on that. You know, he, he wasn't doing, he was doing it for altruistic reasons, but he was sacrificing a lot. He was willing to sacrifice a lot of his, of his uh, men, a lot of his fellow Autobots to do so. And, it's an interesting story for that reason. This is a really good story for that reason. Like I love Optimus and it kind of bothers me that he would do this, but at the same time, like I, the, it makes for a really good story. Like it gives a different take on everything you've read so far. So, so yeah, so I liked it, but I understand the, um, I, I definitely understand the controversy around it and everything else. So speaking of controversy, let's get into GI Joe number one. So, this was written by Paul Aller. Uh, the art is uh, Chris Evanhouse. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. And colors by Brittany Peer. And this is the whole new IDW continuity for G.I. Joe. So this is a brand new start. Uh, you didn't need to know anything before this. Uh, however, I think maybe you did need to know a little bit, at least about the characters and who they were. Um, but we're just going to get right into it. And I'm going to talk about the things that that came up in this issue and what's bothered some people and uh, whether I agree or disagree. So I'll talk about that also. I will say overall, uh, just like the Transformers one, overall, I really did like this issue. I think it's a good start. However, with this one, unlike the Transformers one, this one I do think they made some mistakes uh, as far as if you're trying to bring Joe fans back from the situation with Sitterson and the, this, the series before even Sitterson, where it was just like the, like people weren't, the Joe fans were not embracing GI Joe from the IDW continuity anymore. 
and it's just because of decisions that were made uh, with characters and storylines and everything else. Um, and if you wanted to, it's almost like trying to win back some of the Star Wars fans, like what's going on now with you know people that hated The Last Jedi, which I'm getting very tired of, but people that hated it, like, and are very vocal about it, like, Disney's trying to win them back over and trying to remind them of why they like Star Wars and everything else. And I feel like that's what IDW is trying to do with this, is trying to win Joe fans back over with some other type of, of Joe book besides just a real American hero, which who knows how much longer that's going to go for. I don't know. Um, but if they want to keep the Joe uh, t uh, property going, they want to put out more Joe comics. Uh, the, trans the new launch of Transformers was very successful, and maybe that's an issue I'll cover in the future, is Transformers number one of the new launch. Uh, it was very successful. It's pretty good series. I haven't, I'm not totally caught up on it, but I've read a lot of it. Uh, and they're about to come out with uh, another title called Transformers Galaxies. And instead of doing, it, doing Transformers twice a month, they're going to do Transformers once a month, and they're going to do tr this Transformers Galaxy uh once a month. So, and it kind of shows some insight to specific characters in the Transformers universe. Um, I'm sure they would love to do that with GI Joe and their own continuity with GI Joe. I'd love, yeah, I'm sure they would love for this title to be successful and then they could do like little spotlights like they did with secret mission, uh, or origins. That's what it was the GI Joe origins where they kind of covered specific characters and little stories with them. Um, so going into the story here, like I said, I'll, I'll bring up things as we go along. So we have Cobra occupied Chicago, and uh, we have Duke is running uh, the top panel there. And we have this new character, Tiger, uh, who we never really find out his real name, which is fine. In G.I. Joe universe, you don't need to know real names. But we see that uh, Duke is running. He runs past a garbage can, and he throws something wadded in a piece of paper in the garbage can. Guy's just sitting there, and all of a sudden he sees all of these um, troopers come running by. Uh, I guess they're Cobra Troopers. Uh, they kind of look like some type of Viper with, with how their mask is done and everything. Um, we don't get any type of identification of what type of Viper they are or anything. Um, but uh, as soon as they go running by, this guy stands up and says, For Cobra, uh, with like this salute type thing. It's very Heil Hitler reminiscent. It's, it's, it's like fight the power type symbol, though. Um, so then we see, you know, Tiger just kind of being shocked at everything that was going on. And then he goes into the shop and he makes his delivery that he's, uh, he's, you know, he picks up a delivery and he's talking to the store owner there. And he just talks about like how he's been this courier, but he really, you know, he's been running contraband and everything else, but uh, to help get things through checkpoints and all that. But uh, the shop owner is just kind of like, uh, it's not about the checkpoints. Uh, the war is almost over. Uh, uh, Rithy. So the guy's name is Rithy. I don't know outside of that what, you know, if there's a last name or anything like that. But he says, uh, and Cobra won. He's like, be careful, survive. And then Rithy says, for Cobra, and does the fight the power symbol. Then we see Duke is uh, cornered at a cafe. Uh, he goes to... Uh, takes the gun of one of the troopers in his hand and fires and points it up, which is not how you would want to grab a gun because that is going to get very hot what he's grabbing there. Uh, and he's going to burn his hand off. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then he, Duke says, sorry folks. Uh, he says, I'll get dessert, which I think is humorous. I got a nice little 
smile out of that because it reminds me a little bit of the G.I. Joe cartoon. You have those little lines like that. Um, then we see Major Blood, uh, and I only know it's Major Blood because of what they show later or reference them later. But he's like, end this, and he sends out some more troopers because uh, like a, uh, I don't know if it was a APC or something that pulls up. The front of it looks like a Joe APC just with the Cobra symbol on it. And then uh, Rithy goes out to the garbage can and kicks it over and look to look for what Duke threw in there. I don't know if he had to kick it over. Just, like, look in the garbage can. He threw it on top. <laughs> I don't know. But he finds a USB drive. Uh, he, he hears two shots being fired. He gets on a scooter and rides away, and we see, like, Cobra flags being, banners being hung up there, hung up there. Uh, then we see that uh, as he's, Driving by, uh, he sees that Duke is on his knees, and um, Major Blood's coming up to him and says, So, you're Duke, just Duke, that's odd. And Duke says, You're one to talk, Major Blood. Uh, and he, you know, Major Blood's talking to him about like a simple, simple moniker, an impressive dossier, hero of the battle for Staten Island, liberator of Rio Lindo. Uh, and a consistent thorn in Cobra's side. I would love to have a story of how all this happened. Like, how did Cobra start taking over everything? Um, because these battles sound awesome. It seems like it would paint Duke in a good light, and we'll find out why it would be important to show more about Duke. Um, so Major Blood says, you fought valiantly, Duke, but the war's over. And Duke says, good. Then on behalf of the United States of America, I accept your surrender. Kind of reminds me of the cockiness of Poe Dameron a little bit in The Force Awakens. Like, who talks? You talk? Do I talk? What's going on? Um, so then Duke says, because that's the only way we stop. And then Major Blood turns around and shoots him in the head. Um, so, and then Major Blood says, not the only way. And so here's the thing. So... This is where a lot of people had some issues, and I understand it. And this is actually, I will say, as much as I'm not a fan of Duke, I like I like Duke. Duke's fine, I, but everyone knows I'm a Flint uh, fan, and it's always been a debate on the show, Duke or Flint. Um, it doesn't mean I don't like Duke, and I do like Duke as a character, uh, but he's not like super high on my list. I mean, we did our top 20 characters. Duke did not appear on my list anywhere um, of those top 20 Joe characters. But I think it's a huge mistake if you're trying to win Joe fans over and, and back, that you kill Duke. You could kill a character in the first issue. It's been done before. Um, I don't think you need to do that. Uh, I know they're going for shock value and everything else. Uh, and it was shocking to see. It's kind of like when Cobra Commander was killed in the IDW universe uh, by Chuckles. And it was just like, holy crap, they actually did it. And he actually like blew his brains out. And it was this shocking panel. It was but it was very effective because you built up this whole story leading to that. You built up, you know, Chuckles getting there and Cobra Commander being in power and, and Tomex and Zaymont and all this story that leads up to that moment. And then that moment happens and it's shocking. You haven't built anything up with Duke other than saying that he's been this war hero and been fighting against Cobra. Like there really hasn't been, you haven't come to care about this character yet, but He's also a major Joe character. So you've, A, not developed this character, who's a major Joe character, and you just killed him. So, like, 
I was talking with someone about it and I said, you know, there's several, there's a few Joe characters, Joe characters, not Cobra. I mean, there's Cobra ones too, but there's Joe characters who are recognized by any Joe fan. Uh, and they are probably the most popular characters. So you have Snake Eyes, of course. You have Duke. You have Scarlet. You have Flint. You have Lady J. And probably Shipwreck. You can make an argument for Alpine and Quick Kick and things like that. But those are probably your, these are probably your biggest known characters. And you just killed one of them. And you advertised ahead of time that Duke was in this story. And three, four, what, five pages? In, yeah, five, about what, one, two, three... Four, five, six, the, on the sixth page you kill him. Of your new continuity. It's not like we've had 10, 20, 30 issues before this happened. That would have actually been more effective in my eyes. Is you built up a, a caring for this character and then killed him. Um, I did have uh, Jake Witherspoon contacted me. He, he'll appear on a future episode when we do like a retro review. But uh, we were talking about this issue and he goes, well, maybe Duke isn't dead. He's like, maybe, and I, I kind of said the same thing back to him that he said to me at the at about the same time, which is maybe there's a chance that they just, uh, Major Blood grazed him to knock him out and they're going to take him back. And because it is all, it is all shown in shadow and everything. Um, but I think it's because they didn't want to show the gore. That's a lot of blood splatter if that's what they did. Like that was too much blood splatter for just a grazing. Um, I mean, I've never been shot near the head to know how much blood comes out from a grazing shot, but it, that looks like he blew his brains out. Like, so, and Tiger is, Rithy, uh, is shocked. So, and horrified, he has his mouth, hand over his mouth. I don't think it, I think Duke's dead. And if he's not, I'll, I'll be surprised. Uh, if he's not. I think there could be a lot of things that Cobra does uh, maybe in this universe that brings him back. And there could be a whole storyline with that. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see, like maybe Cobra does a clone of him, but puts his memories back in, you know, they've done things like that before. So, uh, or things similar to it. Uh, so they could be doing that. And then he has to slowly come back and remember who he is and all that. There could be a whole storyline with that. But right now I, I, I'm convinced that Duke is dead and you just upset a whole lot of Joe fans that are probably not going to pick up the book anymore. Like there are actually Joe fans that because this happened are going to say, Nope, IDW still screwed it up and I'm not going to get it anymore. Like you just alienated, you needed to win Joe fans back and you just alienated them. So I do think that was a mistake to kill Duke. Like I said, you could have picked, you know, another character, maybe Steeler or something like that and put him in there. And I'm sorry for any Steeler fans that are out there, and I don't mean the football team, I mean the character, the G.I. Joe character, because I'm not sorry for football fans of the Steelers, because I'm a Browns fan, so I don't like your team. But um, but yeah, if if it had been you know a character like that, uh, or even John, forgive me for saying this, if it even had been like someone like Breaker, uh, I think it would have been shocking. But I think people would have been like, wow, damn, this is like they still would have kept getting the issues. I think there's going to be some fans out there that read this that are Duke fans and go, nope, not, not reading anymore. I think it's still an effective story. I still think it was an effective plot device. I don't think you have to do that shocking moment to tell a good story. 
Um, but I understand why it was done, and I, I don't think it was a bad story element. I just think it was the wrong character choice to do it to. Um, then we have uh, Rithy is back at his apartment, and he's looking at what was on the flash drive, and uh, we have or the thumb drive, and we have Scarlet coming in, and he notices that someone's behind him, and she says, uh, he starts saying, you can use this information, uh, take action, or you can, and she goes, forget uh, this ever happen happened. Um, she wants the information. He's like, look, I can help you. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, all these things happened. There was, he's like, my parents were in Indianapolis during the massacre. Uh, my boyfriend disappeared two weeks into, uh, into the occupation. So we now know that Rithy is gay, which no problem with that. Uh, again, I'm sure there's gonna be people out there that have problems with that. That's your problem. This is, this is not one of the mistakes that I would say that they made, not at all. Um, you know, this is how you do diversity the right way. You introduce a new character and you bring in that diversity that you want to bring in. Totally fine with it. So, um, so I, I like how they, in, they introduce that aspect of the character because it's not, to me, it's not forced. He's talking about, you know, my family was killed. My boyfriend was in, is in, was involved in the occupation, uh, that happened. So like, he's just, he's talking about, what has happened to him in his life. And that's how we find out that he's gay. And I think that's a smart way to do it. That's how it should happen. It should be a natural element of the, of the story is uh, if you're going to introduce some, some that type of diversity where you want to introduce that character that way. Um, but he wants to do more. Um, and she's like, you've done enough. And he's like, none of us uh, do enough. He, he just, he notices that people just aren't do, really doing enough to, counter Cobra. A lot of people just act like everything's great. Uh, then we go to seeing Frontier and Roadblock. Uh, they're getting things in place. Uh, then we have a character I think is Jinx. Um, I can't remember who all the characters were that were supposed to be in this issue. I know they announced like, here's all the characters that appear in this issue. I looked front and back in this issue and maybe I missed it, but this female character, this Asian female character's name is never mentioned. She might be one of the new characters, I don't know, but right now I'm going to refer to her as Jinx because maybe that's who it's supposed to be. Uh, we also get a character named uh, uh, Fadeaway, who's like a, this tech person. Uh, we also don't get her name until much later, and I think that's a mistake. Like, you're not introducing who these characters are. Uh, even Frontier, we don't get his name until later. So it's like, we're like, Basically, when I saw Frontier, I knew ahead of time that it was Frontier. But if I didn't, I'd be like, "That is Flint with a uh, with a goatee and uh, like mustache type goatee. Like that's that's what it looks like, and that's what they basically did. They took, uh, you know, just to kind of throw this out there. Falcon to me, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but Falcon, the character of Falcon, I like him. He's perfectly fine. But to me, Falcon was Flint like. They basically took Flint. Uh, made a character look just like Flint and then made him related to Duke. So it was basically to help bridge the people that, hey, I like Flint. And there's other people over here that saying, hey, I like Duke. Well, here's Falcon. Falcon is, is a sibling to Duke, but he looks like Flint. Like that's what Falcon always came across to me. So I'm just like, so Falcon was never a huge favorite of mine for that reason. It was just like, he, he's like light, Falcon was like light Flint and light Duke blended together. And it didn't, I mean, I like him more now, but back in the day I was just like, that's, that's a weak ass character. 
Frontier to me comes across as a weak-ass character, at least initially. I'm hoping they develop them a little bit more, but there's been signs, pictures of Frontier making the the fight the power type symbol or, you know, the Yojo symbol and everything else, which I think is what that fight the power is going to turn into. It's going to turn into Yojo. But um, then they show, I've seen it right next to pictures of Flint making the exact same symbol. It's like, you made Flint light. That's what you did. Just put Flint in the issue. Why do you have to make a, like in this case, why did you have to make a brand new character? I get making Tiger, who we find out they just call him Tiger. You know, it's Rithy's character. Um, but they call him Tiger later and that's his name. I get that. That's like your introduction, you know, the reader's introduction to this universe character. It's fine. I liked Fade Away. You know, you got this tech person. So are there other tech per- people, you characters you could have used and made? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, this bald-headed female character, um, at least I think it's female. I'm not sure. Maybe it's trans. I, I don't know. But, like, this bald female character, you know, that's a little bit more diversity thrown in there. You got a new character. And I know that Frontier is supposed to be, like, a new diverse character. I don't know if he's, I can't remember if he's, like, Pakistani or something like that. They don't go into it right now or anything like that. But, but to me, Tiger and Frontier, or Tiger and Fadeaway are unique-looking characters. So they look like brand-new characters. Frontier looks like Flint. If you made Frontier look completely different than how he looks now, I'd be like, okay, Frontier, cool new character. Let's go ahead with it. But you didn't. You made him look like Flint. Why not just use Flint then? Just put Flint in the issue. People would have liked it a lot better, especially since you just killed Duke. Um, so I think that was a mistake. I think it was a mistake to make Frontier look like Flint. I think I'm fine with a brand new character of Frontier, but let's not make him look like another character. Especially since you're giving unique looks to characters we already know. Uh, like Roadblock. Roadblock is here. Looks very different. Roadblock also acts very different, which I don't know if that's a mistake or not, but you know he ends up uh, because so basically let's get into that so tiger swoops in they notice that something's going on they tell fade away hey you got to get the hell out of there uh, he's like i need one more she's like i need one more minute he's like and frontier's like this is not negotiable um and frontier's about to shoot tiger but then roblox stops and says stop it's not cobra he throws a, a molotov cocktail tiger throws a molotov cocktail at the building and uh Tiger says, yeah, that's how we, and he's like, that's how we die, because all of a sudden all these Cobra Troopers come out, and they're going after Tiger. Uh, Roadblock uh, swoops in and takes one out at the legs, uh, but that Trooper lands on him and and tries to uh, gouge his eyes out. So Roadblock pulls a gun out and shoots him, and he's like, I just just killed someone, and Frontier's like, process it later, Roadblock. So Roadblock maybe has never killed someone before. Again, not sure if that's a mistake or not because it's a bit different characterization of Roadblock, but in this universe, like maybe that's Roadblock's never had to deal with that before. Although he is carrying a gun, um, but he likely never had to use it before, at least not on a person. So um, I'm hoping we see more of Roadblock's personality, like a little bit of what we expect Roadblock to act like in later issues, because right now it doesn't feel like Roadblock just kind of has the look of Roadblock. Actually, it looks more like Bishop a little bit. Uh, Bishop from uh, uh, District X Bishop. Uh, that's what it kind of looks like. So, uh, But Frontier is being uh, manhandled by two Cobra agents and uh, uh, Vipers. So Roadblock tackles one of them. Frontier knocks the other one out. Uh, there's a battle that goes on, and Frontier uh, takes out the uh, the Vipers. 
then we have uh, Tiger coming up to talk to them, and we have Fadeaway and the character that I'm referring to as Jinx coming up saying, what's going on? Who is this guy? Uh, they're like, Frontier's like, we're taking them with us. And Tiger's like, so I'm part of the team now because together I think we can. And that's when Roadblock punches him in the face and knocks him out. So now we're back at uh, the Joe headquarters and Tiger is blindfolded and Scarlet is talking to Stalker. And we have a new look to Stalker. Stalker looks a lot younger here. Um, so again, it's a new look, but he's just like, um, he's like, I think that he's a bad fit. And Scarlet's like, you know, I think, you know, uh, we need every warm body we can right now. So she refers to him as, as Tiger and, uh, Tiger says, well, my real name is, she's like, no real names. She's like, you're Tiger from now on. Uh, she points out that you're asked, uh, you asked who we are. We're a clandestine government organization recruiting everyday people to fight back against Cobra. Uh, she says, ordinary heroes who can be molded into spies and saboteurs. And he's like, whoa. And she's like, you might think it's all fun, but there's a good chance that with, through training and everything else that you're, you'll die. Um, he's like, a better chance for you than most is what Stalker says. And she's like, so any questions? And he's like, just one, do I get to drive the tank? Um, so he's totally in, uh, maybe a little too overzealous, which will be interesting to see that develop. Like, does he finally, like, get some sense knocked into him and realize how real this really is. But we see stuff like the APC vehicle, we see a Mobat, we see some of the other Joe vehicles down there um, in the motor pool. But uh, I like the concept. I really like the concept of it being like them bringing in civilians and it's this clandestine uh, operative group. Um, so I like this concept of them going against Cobra. I'd love to find out how did Cobra get into power? What were they doing? Because when we get into the next page here, um, Roblox says, are you kidding me? Like, um, as far as them recruiting Tiger and Stalker says, hey, we, we decide who's on the team, not you. Uh, then we get General Hawk coming in. And uh, he he's an older General Hawk. He's gray haired, all military dressed and everything else. Um, He's like, you want, uh, Stalker says, I want to introduce you to their new recruit, but General Hawk says, that'll have to wait. It'll have to, and he kind of like stops and pauses. And he points out that as of 0600 hours today, we have been ordered to stand down and to cease all hostilities with Cobra Command. And Jinx, uh, the character I'm calling Jinx, says the war's over and uh, we won. And General Hawk says, no, we didn't win. Uh, he says, we surrendered. And, he's, and then uh, Fadeaway says, by the way, welcome to the team, uh, to Tiger. So Cobra has won the entire United States. Uh, we don't know how that happened. We don't know. Um, uh, you know, we know that there's been a history of them taking over certain parts of the United States. And I would love to know, hopefully we get like some flashbacks as to how all that happened and what's going on. Uh, the next page we get is... Uh, the background of these characters. So we get um, Rithi K. This is when we finally get his full name. Uh, so we get a little dossier on him. Uh, he's born in Philadelphia, PA. Affiliation is GI Joe. Position is he's on the field team. Uh, then we get Frontier, who's uh, Daniel Faruqi. Uh, place of birth is uh, Mardin, Pakistan. So I was right. He's Pakistani. He's the field leader. Uh, so we get information about both of them. Uh, a little background as far as specialties and all that type of stuff. Um, so I like that because it's like a file card and each of them have their little quote at the bottom, just like a typical file card would. So that's really cool. 
Uh, it is interesting to me since uh, Flint's name is Dashiell Fairborn. Uh, we have Daniel Faruqi. Uh, it's pretty close in structure, definitely the same initials. Um, so I don't know. Like I said, he's a little too close to Flint for my taste, but. Um, but overall, like I said, I really like the concept of this. I really like the story. I do like, I, while I don't think you had to do it, I do like the thought that they killed some, uh, a Joe member right away, but I think it was a huge mistake to kill, to have it be Duke. Um, I think it was a mistake to have a character look too much like Flint. Uh, I could have done, like I said, another character and, uh, um, or made it look different and had it be Frontier. Um. I think they should have introduced some of the characters' names early on, since it's our first appearance of the characters. There's a way you can do that in the writing, uh, because that one character, I think it's Jinx. I don't know. They never really mentioned that, that her name at all in the issue from everything I could see. And like I said, unless I missed it, in which case, let me know. Um, I'm not flawless, so if I made a mistake and they did mention her name in there... Um, and don't come back to me and tell me, well, it was in the listing for the when they were announcing this issue that they... Uh, they mentioned that, that it was Jinx or that it was this character or something like that. That's all well and good, but much like Shannon was saying when it comes to the Star Wars movies, he shouldn't have to read something else to know what's happening in the movie. I shouldn't have to read something else to know who the characters are in the first issue of a new ongoing series. So, um, so I, like I said, I think that's just a few of the mistakes. Uh, like I said, shouldn't have killed Duke. Um, could have killed a different character. I don't think you had to kill anyone. You could have had an effective story even without that, but I think it's a, a it still was a cool, shocking moment, but I think it was the wrong character if you're trying to win Joe fans back. Don't make Frontier look like Flint. Make Frontier look like a, a new character. Um, I like the other characters. I like Tiger. I like Fadeaway. Uh, and then make sure you're naming your characters early on so this way we know, like, maybe it doesn't have to be the first word balloons that we see, but it should be at some point early on when we see that character for the first time, and we didn't get Jinx's name mentioned at all, so it was making some assumptions that we would know who these characters were. Um, I do like the fact that we're not seeing a whole lot of Cobra yet, uh, as far as the named characters. Uh, we have like these generic soldiers right now, and we had Major Blood show up. That was it. Um, so, you know, we still are going to see Cobra Commander, we're going to see hopefully a Destro, a Baroness, all that type of stuff. So I'm looking forward to all that. I think that was a smart move to not try to cram too many characters in. Uh, and if you tried to bring in a bunch of Cobra characters in with a bunch of Joe characters, I think it would have been way too many characters. Um, and like I said, maybe Duke isn't dead. Maybe something else is going on. But you didn't even get a hint of that in this issue. So therefore, those Joe fans that would be upset about that are not going to come back to see if you didn't actually do that. So that's all my thoughts on this issue. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. I, like I said, overall, I really like the issue. I loved some of the concepts. I liked some of the details. I liked little nods to different things from uh, Joe Pass. Like I said, just a little, like when Duke made the little snarky comment, reminding me of the Joe cartoon. Um, I like, you know, the backgrounds that were being done. I love the concept of what this Joe team is. I liked seeing some of the vehicles uh, that they did in the universe. I like the art overall. Uh, so I really, you know, some people weren't too big a fan of the art. I remember when they were first showing it, I actually really like Chris Evanhouse's artwork on this. I think it's good. It's, it's kind of simplified, but it's, but it's still detailed. There's still stuff going on there. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm in this to kind of see where it goes. 
Uh, I hope we get maybe a little bit of history of some of these things that are mentioned in here. So I do like hearing about the history of things that led up to this by the dialogue that's going on. Um, but I hope we also kind of get to see some of that maybe in flashbacks or something like that. So, so with that, uh, that's everything. Uh, I am going to just kind of wrap things up here. Uh, so please check out those that sponsored us, uh, through Patreon. I really appreciate it. The next episode, I will announce all of your guys' names uh, and the stuff that you do. Um, but I really appreciate you guys uh, supporting the show. And again, make sure that you go and check out the Kickstarter. Go to Stealth Hammer on Kickstarter so that uh, and please back the project. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us on Facebook. There's a fan page and a group page. You can like the fan page and you can ask to join the group page. And once you ask to join the group page, uh, I will approve it as fast as possible. And then uh, there's Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. Uh, there is Instagram, which is Starjoes, where I post comic reviews of anything that I'm reading. Uh, also post updates as far as when new episodes come out. I do that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But Instagram is really for me to kind of post, here's what I'm reading and here's my thoughts on this comic. And I, and those also get posted to the Facebook fan page. So I welcome anyone to talk about the same issues. Like if you read the same issue that I did, you know, tell me your thoughts on it. I, I will post my thoughts, but you know, I'd love to have a little dialogue with you and everything else. Some of you guys do that and I absolutely love it. Um, and then every week, uh, every Saturday, I, I posted it today, but it's Sunday right now. I posted it today by an error. I was supposed to post it yesterday, but every Saturday in the group page, I post a link about something that I enjoyed reading that week, whether it's a book, a comic book, uh, or a trade paperback. And I ask you guys to do the same thing. It can be any of those things. It can be new. It can be old. You know, you could be pulling an old trade out and reading it. You could be pulling a new comic out, whatever you, whatever you're reading and you're enjoying, I post that there so you can talk about it and tell us about it because maybe we'll find something else or maybe we can, uh, that we want to enjoy and like, Oh, that sounds good. Or it allows us to have a dialogue about that stuff. So really trying to have a, an awesome community where we, we talk about the positive things and yeah, it's fine to talk about the things that you didn't like. Uh, I did in this episode, but also try to focus on the positive stuff. So with that, we'll go ahead and close this episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care guys.